0: Who gets to decide a Liberty based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society, drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. all right. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of who gets to decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you are here and happy you are listening. Well, we've been hearing a lot about these 15 minute cities and we've been hearing a lot about the WEF and these people that seem to be planning tyranny over the rest of us and we talked about this the other night that this this message is not just here in America this is not just Alex Jones type fans this is this is happening now at the European Union people that represent countries within the European Union, the parliament there, are talking about some of these ideas. And they're warning people about the momentum that is headed in this direction. And somebody, if you're on Twitter, there's a lady named Christine Anderson. She's a MEP from Germany. And she's been on quite a bit. And she's very provocative very outspoken, fiercely independent, and just a good person to listen to. I think uh, she clearly is saying what she believes. It doesn't sound like lies, or uh, you know, when you when you hear Adam Schiff talk, for example, you just know the guy's lying. I mean, almost every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And now he's running for Senate. He's trying to replace uh, or trying to fill Dianne Feinstein's position. And I don't know how Californians uh, are going to vote for that guy. I, I just I just don't see it. I would rather have a Congress full of uh, these Christine Andersons and uh, the gentleman from Romania from last night. I would rather have, you know, it, it, what what politics has become really is just people that don't believe in anything. They don't they don't believe in America. They don't believe in liberty all they believe in is can they get rich, you know, getting theirs? Can they manipulate the system to get theirs? And they feel entitled to what they see as theirs. And there are no statesmen or stateswomen. There there's nobody up there serving, you know, doing public service as they like to say. These are just people that are uh, acting in their own interest, and at the expense of the rest of us. And they're completely comfortable with coercion. There's just a very distinct difference that you get when you listen to someone like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey. These, these people are, they're principled. That you can tell that they have principles. You know, Matt Gaetz is a little bit, you know, maybe off a little bit. But when you compare him with Chuck Schumer, he seems like, you know, Abraham Lincoln or something. I mean, there's just a stark difference. And you see that in the European Parliament as well. Uh, This lady, Christine Anderson, stands out uh, like a sore thumb. I mean, she's very, very strong-willed and just tough-minded, you can just tell when she talks that that she's she's talking from a place of liberty. And like the Romanian parliament representative said the other night, freedom is a popular thing. You don't have to compel people to be free. You don't have to coerce them into being free. Every living human being yearns to be free. That It's just built within you. And you have to learn how to be a slave. Um, By the way, there's a new movie out by an independent filmmaker called Jones Plantation. And I think I'll I'll leave some, uh, I think I'll leave a link to it in the show notes page. But this is a, this is a a movie uh, made by a libertarian and a bunch of unknown actors, but there's some really challenging ideas in there, and, and one of them is that when the plantation shut down and people became free, they were still slaves. Uh, in fact, many of these plantation, plantation owners did better after the slaves were freed, at least in this movie. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the point that still a slave, you're just a slave of a different type, and you're still being controlled, you're still being uh, manipulated uh, by all these tools that that the powerful people use against us, uh, not the least of which is the information, the media, uh, the political system, the mythology of democracy, the mythology of representative government. These are these are not truisms. They might have been like the first ten years, of the country's founding or something. But it really hasn't been that way in in a long, long time. And people have been lulled into a form of slavery. And that's what this movie uh, shows. Now, oddly enough, this is what Christine Anderson is talking about too. She's talking about these 15-minute cities. And she's using very provocative language like ghettos, meaning the ghettos that the, that the Germans rounded the Jews up into uh, during uh, the run-up to World War II. So you know exactly where she stands about what she thinks about these 15-minute cities. So without further ado, let's jump into her comments and, uh, and see what she's got to say.
1: This whole COVID madness, it was really just a test balloon. A test balloon to see how far they could go. And um, the lesson they wanted to learn from this was to uh, find out what needed to be done to uh, get free individuals in free and democratic societies to actually consent to being forced into compliance.
0: Straight away, there's something very important that she's talking about here. She's talking about the concept of consent. And this is something that especially the U.S. government is really sneaky about. So, there are all kinds of things that the government forces us to do, but they say that we actually consent to it. For example, they force us to pay taxes, but they say that we consent. And the reason they give for our consent is that we live here. You know, if we didn't consent we would just move away somewhere. And so this whole idea of consent is, is very, very tricky when it comes to governments, because governments have made consent a concept that you can drive a truck through. It's not like consent when you read something and sign it, or even, this is even worse, but still bad, when you consent to somebody's terms and conditions to use their software nobody ever reads that stuff, but we check the box and we move on. Right. But we're in that case, we're at least actually consenting. But this, this concept of consent is very tricky uh, when it comes to the government. And she combines it with a, another, another idea. And that is forced compliance. So these two things don't normally go together. Forced compliance and consent. But notice that these are, they have to go together if you're still going to claim to have a free and democratic society. Because in a free and democratic society, we don't force people to do things, right? And so this is the tricky little tightrope that governments are trying to walk. They're trying to give the appearance that we're still democracies that we're free and not living under tyranny because we consent. We consent to having people tell us what to do and force us to do this and force us to do that. And so I just think it was an interesting right off the bat. She she brings these two very dis- different concepts together and joins them in what, uh, what she says is, was the government's goal, which I, I agree with.
1: Like I said, it was a test balloon. It started out with the digital green certificate. That was just something uh, to get the people used to having to show something wherever they went. So, getting easing people like you know into that kind of thing. Um, and they have learned their lesson. And they looked at the, all of the data, especially in the COVID committee, where they repeated every single lie. Um, they looked very very carefully at all of this. Um, and the next thing we will see is, uh, yeah, well, the establishment of uh, so-called 15-minute cities.
0: The first thing she brings up is this idea of a test balloon. And you see all this this all the time with government. They'll kind of float some idea out there, and then they'll look at polling, and they'll see how popular or unpopular it is. And if it's unpopular, they'll they'll just back off immediately. But this, this COVID thing was quite a bit different. You couldn't just... Float an idea out there. They had to really see what it would take to get people to comply. So um, the idea is, uh, at least Christine Anderson believes it's true, and and I don't I don't entirely disagree. I mean, we've talked about the event two hundred one and the precarious timing that that was released. It was just a month or two before the COVID virus got released. So. She's implying here that this was all intentional, and I'm inclined to agree with her about that. I think I think the COVID, um, the COVID experience, the lockdown, um, the the policy prescription, whether it be masking or um, COVID passports, things like this, these were all or all come under the category of test balloon. And, and they want to see what they can learn, right? They want, to, they want to pressure us or stress us in a particular way and then see what they can learn from it. And so I think she's right. And And I don't know about these 15-minute cities. I don't know how they're going to get you to do this other than to just make things so darn expensive that people voluntarily start looking for these types of places to live. They want to live... Uh, if, if your life becomes so expensive that you can't have a car, you can't have a house, your job needs to be very close by or something you can do online. Uh, your grocery store needs to be close by. You, you need to have a, a golf cart for a car, you know then yeah, I mean you, you pretty much need a 15 minute city if you if you can't afford to live like people in America have been living for the last 75 years. I suppose one way to do this would just be to continue to inflate the currency away to the point where people just cannot afford the lifestyle that they currently have and they have to downsize in a a dramatic way and this would be into a 15-minute city.
1: Uh, I would however urge you, do not call them 15-minute cities, they are 15-minute ghettos. Be very specific. Uh, in your choice of words to highlight what they're actually doing. Just looking at these concepts, um, they're supposed to make your life easier, make it more comfortable for, for the people, uh, reduce their carbon footprint. I mean, we are saving the planet after all, aren't we? Um, but it has nothing to do with this, None, nothing whatsoever. It's about control. Uh, it's about, uh, yeah, pretty much imprisoning people in their assigned area. Why am I saying this? I mean, a lot of people may say, well, here she goes again, spreading, you know, conspiracy theories. Well, look at what they're doing. There, where they are starting to build these 15-minute ghettos, they're not starting by, you know, building schools or hospitals or, you know, leisure parks or none of that. No libraries. No. They start by erecting barricades and installing surveillance cameras. That is a big tell. So anyone telling me it's about making my life easier, yeah, right. Not for a single second will I believe this BS.
0: The first thing I want to direct your attention to is the word ghetto that she uses. And this is a very carefully selected word. And remind you, let me remind you that Christine Anderson is a German citizen. And of course Germany has the unfortunate history of, of the Holocaust, of perpetrating the Holocaust against the Jews and, and other undesirable citizens in Germany for the purpose of pursuing the, the master race. And so she knows what she's saying, right? She She knows exactly which words she's using, and she's choosing to use them anyway. And, you know, she uses this concept of imprisonment. In, in your, in your signed area. So you're, it's, it's kind of like, think of like the, uh, have you ever seen the invisible leash that you can put on a dog? You know, you put like a shot collar on their neck and then you bury a wire in the ground over some perimeter and the dog, if it goes past the wire, the shot collar shocks them. So they, they come back. So, you know, the dog thinks it's free, right? Cause it can look out and see everything. But if it sees a cat run, across the yard and it tries to pursue it uh it's going to get shocked and uh and not go outside that barrier. So this is uh the concept of the uh of the 15 minute city is the idea is well, you don't need to leave, you know, we're going to we're supposed to make you we're going to make you comfortable and and provide all these conveniences for you, but the at the end of the day the, the purpose is to hold you in a particular area. And not let you really leave. Now, I don't know. I don't know how severe that would be. Like, what if you wanted to fly to Florida? Let's say it's in Texas and you wanted to fly to Florida. Are they actually going to say, no, you can't fly to Florida? I, I don't know. Not sure. But Christine Anderson seems to think that's the case. She seems to think that they're going to lock you up and hold you there. And she's got some more descriptive language about uh, other things that um, these uh, master planners are concocting on our behalf.
1: It is coming, and uh, how will they control it? I mean, you know, well, very simple. They will not, no longer need electrified barbed wire fences all around this, this area. No, digital ID, that will do it. Take a look to China, that is our future and I'm not talking about a future in maybe 30 40 50 years from now no it is going on as we speak we're talking about I don't know three four five years tops look at Saudi Arabia they're building the so-called Neom city it is a structure 170 kilometers kilometers long 500 meters wide and 200 meters uh, sorry 500 meters high 200 meters wide and it will house nine million people. If I wanted to gain control over 9 million people and have them completely dependent upon me, that's exactly where and how I would house them. In the middle of the desert with nowhere to run.
0: Yeah, you know, so the digital ID is like the the fence, right? For the dog with the wire buried in the ground. Uh, you know, stuff just doesn't work if all your money is on your phone, tied to some sort of CBDC, and your phone is your only mechanism for buying anything, and it doesn't work beyond some distance. And oh, by the way, where you live is in the middle of the desert, so it's like 500 miles in every direction with no water. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously it, it's possible to do that to human beings. I um, I hope that's not our future. I can't imagine other human beings, you know, doing this to, to fellow citizens or whatever, but you know, it's, it's been worse. I mean there's the, human beings have done awful things to each other all throughout history. And, um, these ideologies are very, very dangerous. I mean, people that believe, and I, and I use the word believe in, on purpose that the planet is going to burn well, then can, they can justify doing anything to you because they don't want the planet to burn because that's a, an existential threat. They even use that language, right? It's such an existential threat that it requires extraordinary coercion, force, imprisonment, 15-minute cities, digital ID, mass surveillance, barricades, all this kind of stuff. You know, I remember when Trump was touting the whole build a wall, you know. A lot of libertarians were saying, "Well, I don't know if I like the whole idea about a wall because while it may be intended to keep people out, it could keep us in if we decided to leave the United States." And it's hard to even kind of wrap your head around that concept. Like I like I don't have any inkling. There's no fiber, or single fiber in my body that wants to leave the United States of America, but I mean, is it possible that it, it gets so bad that you would want to leave? Well, yeah, anything's possible, uh, but it's just hard to wrap your head around that. And this is how this is how it happens, though, right? Uh, you've all heard me tell the story about the Hungarian Jews, um, and there's a there was a story on Netflix where they profiled five families, and this reporter asked her. She said, "How did y'all just voluntarily?" Get on the train and ride into Auschwitz. And this woman, she was a little girl during the during the Holocaust, and she explained that well, you know, the first thing they do is they wanted you to wear the star, right, so you could be identified. And then it then they would start passing policies like you know Jews can't own businesses, so you'd have to sell your business to somebody else. So you now your livelihood is gone. gone. And you're at the same time you're becoming kind of a second-class citizen, so people don't want to hire you, you know, to do any work. And just in general, you're ostracized. And this goes on for what seems like an eternity, but it may be a year or two. And then one day, you know, somebody announces, "Oh, there's a farmer across town who's uh, harvesting his vineyard and needs some labor, and we're taking volunteers." Uh, Just meet us at the train station, and uh, we'll take you over to the farm where you can do your work. And, you know, these people got on the train, and it drove them right into Auschwitz. So, you know, you can you can slowly kind of manipulate people um, through just like incentives to eventually get them to do what you want them to do because. Being hungry is a very powerful driver, or uh, you know, not being able to provide uh, a roof over your head, and these are very—you're—you're the, you're tapping into the the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where you know, food, shelter, uh, these things are these are the the highest level of need that uh, human beings have, and so if you start stripping that away from people, you can really, you can really, um, force, you know, like desperate behavior out of people. And that's what they did during the Holocaust. And maybe this, maybe that's the strategy here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, a lot of this is like, a, like a chess match, right? You have to wait for, for the government to do something and then you do something and then the government does something and then you do something. And it's, It's move, counter-move, move, move, counter-move. There there is no way to really know what the government is doing, if anything. I mean, maybe the government's not doing anything. That's another possibility. And this is all just people talking about their worst fears. Um, All of that is within the realm of possibility. But you have to first let yourself believe that it is possible before you could ever Uh, figure out a way to combat it or to avoid it or to counteract it.
1: It is in store for all of us. It will be the attempt to enslave and impoverish every single human being on this planet. That's what we're looking at and that's what we need to fight. And I'm really asking you, take a good look. Take a good look at your governments and do not assume for a single second, just because they were democratically elected, they will not inflict the worst atrocities on you. Do not believe that for one second. So please stand up, get up and fight already.
0: So there you have it, you know, a call to action that she finishes up with. So yeah, you know, this, this is a very brave woman. Uh, I think, to stand up there with cameras rolling and to say this and be as bold as she is. I have no idea if any of this is going to happen, but I think her skepticism of government and of power and especially the recognition that, you know, hey, just because these people were democratically elected doesn't mean that they don't have the capacity to do this the Bible says, for example, that no one knows uh, the evil that lurks in men's heart or something like that. And that's, that's true. You know, how many times do you hear about these uh, stories on the news where, I don't know, some young kid or some uh, father, you know, murders the whole family and stuff. And, and, you know, they interview the neighbors and the neighbors are like, yeah, he seemed like a really nice guy. You know, we, you know, you know, you just never know. I mean, Just because you've elected somebody and they've stood on TV in front of cameras and told you that they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And they believe in freedom. And, you know, if you believe in freedom, you should vote for me and all this kind of stuff. I mean, look at Justin Trudeau. Would you have ever guessed that Justin Trudeau is the tyrant that he's become? I mean, I wouldn't have. I mean, he's such a, I don't know. He just doesn't and that's another thing you know what does a tyrant look like you, i don't know i don't know what they look like they look like Justin Trudeau they look like Klaus Schwab they look like Bill Gates that's what i think tyrants look like so you just never know right and i remember when trump was president i would get into these conversations with people and and they would say you know, did you hear what he said about this and he said about that? And I would, I would make a comment that I would say, look, I don't care what he says. What I care about is what he does. And, you know, you do need to listen to what people say. But what's more important is what they do. Um, what somebody says can't hurt you. It can make you angry. It could, you know, rub you the wrong way or what have you. But it can't, make, it can't put you in a suffering position, can't take away your livelihood. This is, this is something that only man can do with the power of something like government. Corporations can't even do that. I know people run around and worry about corporations and complain about corporations. The only reason corporations are getting their way in the market is because they're using government to help them. All you have to do is make it so government can't help corporations. And corporations can't hurt you at all. So, you mean you can just voluntarily not utilize them. And we do that from time to time. I mean, look at the whole Bud Light thing. That was, I mean, or Target. I mean, people just of their own volition just decided, I'm not buying Bud Light, not buying Target. And what do you got? You got these people, these companies scrambling around, trying to figure out how to create a new message uh, so that their product will sell. So you just you don't have to be afraid of corporations, uh, except to the extent as they're empowered by government. How are they empowered by government? Well, the corporations lobby the government to give them some sort of privilege in the marketplace, and that privilege is what is not deserving of the corporation. It's unearned and it's given to them by government. And we should, that's the part we need to push back and make sure corporations aren't taken advantage of. All right, well, look, I'm going to go wrap up tonight. Uh, Thank you for coming in. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you being here. Share the show if you get an opportunity. If you hear uh, a topic in here that you like, that you think a friend might like, you know, by all means, share the show. Go to your favorite podcatcher, write me a review. And uh, and come back and listen. Come back and listen tomorrow. And if you do, I'll be here to do it all over again. Peace.